Welcome to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. I am your host, Arthur Yan, co-founder and CEO of Nest Protection Plan. We partner with restorers, contractors, real estate professionals, and other entrepreneurs to increase their revenue, grow their business valuation, and help them build a platform of services for homeowners across the country. We think every American family and property owner deserves peace of mind for their health, indoor living, and longevity, all for less than a dollar a day. Also, I love forming relationships. Add me on Facebook or LinkedIn today and let's connect. Oh, and stick around to the end of this episode. We'll reveal how you or someone you know can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Here we go. Hello, how's everybody doing? I hope you're having a great week. Welcome to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. I'm your host, Arthur Yon. This is episode number 52, and we are officially rolling into 2024. Uh, we have an awesome guest for you today, and he is, uh, he's got a brick background that I'm looking at right now, and he's, he's really eager to, to talk. Great guy, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce him to you. He is the CEO of Lead Ninja. He's the former owner of Air Genie Air Conditioning. He's helping a lot of businesses grow. He is Mr. Gene Slade. Gene, how are you doing today? Man, I'm good. It's a little early, but I'm still ready to rock and roll. I can I can work by nine o'clock. I hear you, man. Get the coffee rolling and it's right here, baby. Drinking it <laughs> but uh it's good to see you. We appreciate you being on, man. And uh wanted to start off like we usually do wanted to, to see if you would share your background and, and how you got to where you are right now with lead ninja for sure I'll, I'll try to be as succinct as possible so when i was 11 years old my father owned his own heating and air conditioning company in michigan and my uncle owned his own plumbing company so i kind of got to experience a little bit of both worlds uh and, and I really, I started carrying my dad's tool bag, really, is what it was at 11 o'clock. And I was his gopher, go get this, go get that. And I think that first year, he probably fired me a dozen times for, like, not taking stuff out of the basement when I'd go to the truck that we didn't need anymore. He was really about efficiency, right? So, um, of course, he always hired me right back when there was a tight space to go in or a crawl space or something like that. Right? <laughs> but um, by the time I was 15... I was good enough to be a lead installer. So my father hired a 21-year-old for me, and that was my helper, and he drove me around, and I led the jobs. Um, at 19, I became an installation foreman for a large mechanical company. And then at 21, I was sick and tired of watching the, the sales guys, who I felt like I knew more than, make two times as much money as me. So I decided to get into sales, which wasn't the easiest thing in the world. I think I had to put out like 106 resumes in order to get a job. And I ended up finding a job with the highest charging contractor within like at least 50 miles of us. I didn't know the difference, right? I had no idea what pricing was, but they were willing to offer me a job. So I took it. Took me three years. And this is back in the early like the late 90s, early 2000s, took me three years to finally break that million dollar mark. And man, I was so excited. I thought this would be the pinnacle of success. This was when I was going to feel like I'd actually done something. And when those numbers rolled over past a million dollars, it was kind of an empty feeling, right? Have you ever had a goal where you're like, I'm going to be happy once I do this. And then you get there and you're like, is this all it is? Is this all there is? Right. So I picked up and moved to Florida 
and uh, learned some stuff about the HVAC business down in Florida and eventually started my own HVAC company. I was a general manager of a large company in Tampa. When I say large company, you know, 15 years ago, $7 million or so was a pretty large company. We had like 42 technicians that I would train every morning. And uh, I, I made one fatal mistake in that job. And that was that I wanted to see what the test looked like for an HVAC contractor. Cause I knew that eventually I would feel like I had no choice, but to start my own company. Like you can only grow so much, right? Well, I went and took the test. I didn't buy any books or anything like that. And I accidentally passed the test. And uh, three days later, I was giving a motivational speech to my technicians and I was ready to send them out on the road. And both of the owners showed up in the back of the room, which was weird because they did not like each other and you never saw them together. <laughs> and after I, after I sent the guys out on the road, they waved to me, took me back in their office and said that my services were no longer needed. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm the GM here. I told you guys that I'm, I want to be here for a while. And they were like, well, we found out that you passed your contractor's exam. I'm like, how in the hell did anybody find this out? Right? I don't even know how people <laughs> find this stuff out. And there was a guy who had taken like three quarters of the company a year and a half before, like accident took a bunch of people. And they were afraid that that would happen because I was the leader of the company. So I had a 50 mile non-compete. I had just had a baby boy and my wife at the time was cut from here to here. Right. And I had just signed the lease for $2,100 a month on this beautiful house. Now, $2,100 a month back then would buy you a lot. And I was fired. And I had to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to go try to help another contractor do this? Or am I going to do this myself? Now, the problem was I didn't have any money. Like, I literally had $100 between four bank accounts because I'd been paying off all my debt. Good news is I was debt free. Um, so... What I decided to do is not something that I recommend anybody do. I went out and took out over 20 credit cards and I went to the bank or went to the dealership the same day and I bought two trucks before the bank realized I didn't have a job. So wow. I mean, I pushed everything to the center and then I got a U-Haul packed up my house and moved 120 miles south. And I started a radio show in that town because that was how I had been that was how I had been generating leads. It was on conservative talk radio. I'd give an hour worth of time to just say whatever I wanted. And I would just talk about tune-ups and the pitfalls that people ran into with contractors. And then five or six times an hour, I'd give them an opportunity to call me and get a tune-up on me. Right? Now, a lot of people are scared about selling cheap tune-ups, right? But I did free tune-ups for two years and didn't sell one piece of equipment either. We didn't even sell air conditioners or furnaces. We were strictly a maintenance IAQ and service company. And our tagline was, we don't sell air conditioners, we just make yours run better. And people just loved it. So after a while we did relent and we sold air conditioning systems. And six years and one day after I started it, we ended up selling the company for a nice seven figure profit. Um, we became the 59th fastest growing construction company in the country, privately held, um, won a couple of awards through Inc. Magazine, and uh, I just kind of went into semi-retirement. And then five months later, I'm like, what am I going to do? Because I got a non-compete. I'm not moving. I got kids. You know, we got roots. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know what? I bet you I could take that radio show that I did, take my name out of it, put somebody else's name in, somebody else's telephone number, and I bet you I could sell that thing. And that's exactly what I did. 
So I had companies that I was generating 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 leads a year for. And the problem was, Arthur, their technicians weren't closing deals. Do you guys struggle with this? Do you send your technicians out on maintenance calls and they're like, all these leads suck, right? (laughs) I got to tell you, if that's what you're hearing, you don't have a marketing problem. You got a sales problem, right? So that, Arthur, ended up leading me into training technicians and companies how to close these maintenance deals. And um, like strategically, like if you've got 10 calls and let's just talk about HVAC alone, we do HVAC and plumbing, but just HVAC alone, everybody seems to be looking for that big ticket, don't they? Aren't they looking to replace the furnace or the air conditioner? And and only, unfortunately, only about 20% of the time do you find that that's really a legitimate option where you're not doing something unethical with the client. And the other 80% of the time, you're not quoting any equipment. So on average, most of those tickets turned out to be zero or a hundred or 200 bucks. People didn't know how to sell indoor air quality. They didn't know how to sell ductwork. So that was what I began to do. And that really took over the majority of the revenue that we generate today um, is teaching technicians how to eliminate those zero tickets. And we've taken people, I I had a girl one time, Arthur, that was, and she's famous now. Everybody would pretty much know her if I said her name. But when she came to me, she was a CSR, making about 30K a year, living in the trailer. Um, This was four or five years ago. Today, she makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. She's got her own house. She's got $100,000 in the bank. She's clean and sober. Like, this She may want you to share a name. (laughs) Yeah, this stuff. well, she's actually now um, an owner of a company. Mm-hmm. So she has moved into partnership with another person and she's become an amazing leader and, and everybody knows her. So, but we have success story after success story about things like that. And that really was what finally brought joy to my life and purpose to my life because money never did it. So that's the 30,000 foot view, if you will, of my career. Well, it's for one thing, it's an amazing story that you have. Um, And, you know, there's a lot so much I kind of want to bounce off you just based on what you said already. But one of the things that you did say, which I believe it was Michael Anderson talked about it, too, where if you could train somebody to be a technician to go in there and take apart an air handler and, you know, go through all the parts and pieces, why can't you teach someone to sell? (laughs) And the answer is you can, right? It's a skill. It's a skill just like a you're skilled um, as a tradesman. And so I think that's what you, you're touching on so heavily. And it's something that uh, a lot of people are, are going to be able – I mean, what, what's your take on that? Don't you think that there are, are so many opportunities for business owners out there to, to convert sales from their technicians when they're on site? You know, my late father-in-law told me, Gene, you'll only ever be worth about 30 to 35 bucks an hour with your hands, right? He said, but if you use your words, you can make as much money as you've ever wanted to. And my gosh, was he right? We are leaving so much money on the table out there as contractors. And it really just boils down to process, right? I heard one time, you can't manage people but you can manage a process and people can follow a process. So I agree a thousand percent. And, and from my experience, let's just take the HVAC world. 
HVAC companies leave about 60 to 65% of the money that's there right on the table. Wow. They don't talk about replacing ductwork. They don't talk about sealing ductwork. They don't talk about the $15,000 worth of indoor air quality upgrades that can be put on just one system. So they are missing the boat tremendously and their clients are not benefiting as a result. And I'm here to tell you, if you're an HVAC contractor, if you really did get into helping people with their indoor air quality, you would get so many more thank yous than you get today. Because just putting in a box that circulates air and makes it cold or hot does nothing for the health of the home or the participants. Did you know that one in four people, Arthur, have no ability to fight mold? And that when we breathe it in, the spores, they go directly through our lungs into our bloodstream and live on us like we're not at the top of the food chain anymore. I mean, it causes stuff like depression, sneezing, coughing, loss of sleep, sinus infections, more trips to the doctor, more time waiting in waiting rooms, more time waiting in examiners, being poked, being prodded, being told what to do. I mean, more time for follow-up visits afterwards. It causes headaches, irritability, upset stomach. It causes corrosion and rust and refrigerant leaks, even sexual side effects. I mean, it's not good at all. And if you don't bring yourself up to speed on this, the next couple of years are really going to hurt. Can I say one more thing about that, Arthur? Absolutely. So I started my business in 2008. Does everybody remember what happened in Q3, Q4 of 2008? It was very similar to what we've been experiencing over the last year, year and a half here. Homes sitting on the market, going up in price, crazy inflation. What's about to happen is the banks are about to tighten up seriously on us. They've already started to do it. And I'm, if you're out there thinking about starting an HVAC company, if you just started one, you are going to want to solidify the service side of your company. Remember I said we didn't sell an air conditioner for two years? But we 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 did a million and a half, million six, just in indoor air quality our first two years. Now that's wow. cash flow right now. I don't need an installer for that. I go there, I do the work, I come back and the cash flows in. And I'm telling you, if I had tried to do the installation and fought with installers and inspectors and all this other stuff, you know what happens when things get slower. Inspectors start really looking, don't they? Mm. <laughs> and they start yeah. failing more and more jobs and that leads contractors to not try to pull permits i mean look solidify the service side of your business because some of these big finance numbers that you're getting right now are not going to be available for you sure there are some leasing programs that are coming up right now that might help to fill that that gap but you're still going to be struggling with homeowners that don't have the money to do what they need to do and banks that won't give it to them so you're going to want to be able to learn how to restore some of these systems to as close to factory fresh condition as possible. Um, mark my words now, this is happening and it's going to happen. And if you don't pay attention, you're going to get hit hard. You know, Gene, I think you and I are uh, are preaching a very similar story. And there's, yeah. a, there's a blog that, um, and I can't remember, I mentioned it on a previous show. It was a, uh, I believe he was a, a real estate broker um maybe even out of uh the coastal maybe myrtle beach or charleston but he had talked about in that blog just it's so in depth and he doesn't have a vested interest in the industry he's just talking about all of the hazards the dangers 
the uh, the unforeseen issues with mold. Um, and it's, you know, how how is this now coming to light? How is the medical field, medical industry, you know, uh, overlooked a lot of these these issues that you just got done describing and talking about? So I'm in total agreement with you. This is uh, this is something that, you know, obviously heating and air companies and, and restoration companies, too. Um, there's a yeah. big wave coming. And I, I completely agree. Um, and I wanted to to jump a little bit back into the t- the technician discussion because you know what what have you seen successful trade business owners do and how they train treat and develop their technicians man that is such a good question and i'll start by saying that every company that i've ever seen that's been really successful has daily training okay and and so many people make excuses for oh well we don't have time to train or we don't this or we don't that. Look, you make time for the things that are important to you. And training adds a certain culture to your company. And your job is to coach people as an owner. You literally are like the coach of a basketball or football or baseball team. You're just responsible for developing the individuals inside of your organization. So if there is not a setup pre-proven process for them to follow and memorize if there's not a a pre-printed way to memorize your greeting if you're just talking it at them they're never going to get there and and why is it important for your technicians to say the same thing every time they go in there well we can we can predict the experience if we do that mcdonald's has got a process burger king's got a process all these franchises have got a process and you're running around willy-nilly not training your technicians what do you expect to happen? Do you ever expect to reach a pinnacle of success doing that? So at my company, we started training at 7.30 in the morning, and we typically didn't end until 8.45, 9 o'clock. Did everybody stay that entire time? No, some people had to go get on calls. But I at least got 35, 40 minutes with them in the morning. I could at least look at their paperwork from the day before. I could see what they presented to people. If there wasn't a HEPA filter on every single list, I wanted to know why. Because is there a good reason other than money for every client not to have a HEPA filtration system? I didn't think so. And if they weren't presenting it, that told me something. It told me they were scared of it. So I'd go present a HEPA filter to me right now, right? (laughs) And I would find those weaknesses in those holes. If you spend this time with your technicians, you can plug the holes in the boat that are costing you money, all right? You're, You're taking on water right now and you don't even know it. So that was one of the keys to us growing that business in Tampa. We went from a million and a half to $8 million-ish in about three and a half years. We were one of the fastest growing companies in all industries in Tampa at the time. And those numbers are about half of what they would be now, right, with inflation. Um, so crucial. Nothing more important than that. Um, and just one more quick example. I, I have a client who's also a partner with me now. Um, he's, he, I met him at three and a half million within three years or so, he grew to 12 million just by implementing the training that we gave him. And he made sure that every single morning somebody was getting trained. So guys, I cannot say enough about it. It might be the most important thing that you do in your business for the next 12 to 24 months. That's awesome. That is fantastic advice. Um, and isn't it funny how, you know, when you, you mentioned the HEPA filter thing, I mean, 
there, there are a lot of people that just think, okay, I'm going to try to shave 10, 20, $30 on a job here by, you know, leaving out a piece of equipment or leaving out, you know, something. And yet look at what you did. You, you grew the business by giving free tune-ups. You, you grew the business by making sure everything was included. Every little extra was included. And that's obviously what it's all about. And that's what gets you ahead because people want that extra mile. And if you don't go the extra mile, somebody else is going to go the, the extra mile and, and they're going to appreciate that more. So, uh, but that's, that is amazing. Those examples. That, um, and I think I've seen it, I've seen multiple businesses. And of course, in my own business, um, you know, we try to implement as much training as possible. Um, let me ask you too, because you are big on leadership. What is a crucial or what are some crucial leadership qualities to have, um, that trickle down from ownership all the way down to the technicians? Well, this is going to irritate some people. Okay. Um, <laughs> because we don't like to remind people of things as managers and owners, right? I want to tell you one time. And then never have to tell you again. But in John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, he talks about how that's one of our responsibilities as coaches and leaders is to continue to remind people until they actually start getting the job done right. Right. So um, stop being irritated by the fact that you told somebody something and they didn't do it. Right. Continue to remind them. And if and if that doesn't work, then you've got to exit that employee. Right. So that's number one. Number two, um, you got to show up, man. Like if 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 you've got training every single day, you need to be showing up. Don't pawn it off on somebody else. People need to see that you're invested in that training. Even if you're not doing it, show up and see who is actually participating, who's actually getting it. Another thing from a leadership perspective, and, and I don't know how we would classify this as, as leadership, but I kind of do. Every single morning when I would go into that room with my technicians, they all had to pass their paperwork to me. Okay. Now, when I talk about paperwork, I'm talking about a yellow piece of paper where they wrote it with pencil, all the different things that the clients didn't have, right? And they broke them into categories. The top stuff would have been stuff that would have been mandatory. Let's say I got a capacitor that's low. Um, to me, that's mandatory because it's doing permanent and irreversible damage to the compressor and the motor, right? And if they're paying for something, whether they do it or not, we consider that something that's mandatory. Doesn't mean we smash their head off a car to get them to buy, right? But that's how we classify it in language. So mandatory things we think will need to be done in the near future, and then just stuff that would just be nice to have. And so part of leading that sales team was me looking at that paperwork every single morning for things that were not on it. And if thing, if there was, let's say, a Remy Halo and it wasn't on the list, I would ask them, did they have a Remy Halo? And they go, no. And I go, why is it on the list? <laughs> and they go, oh, I just forgot. That was bullshit. Right? I knew that was <laughs> bullshit from, from, from the get-go. So I would say, okay, establish a need for me for a Remy Halo. And I would find out that they couldn't do it. So it's it's about having your eyes in certain areas and then asking questions of your people and not putting them down, but really being there to guide and help them. It took me a long time to realize that I would get a lot more out of other people's growth than I would get out of mine. 
a lot more joy out of other people's growth than I would get out of mine. So about 10 years ago, I really found my purpose, which was to help technicians to work less, make more money, and get home for dinner on time. Like how many of you guys don't get to see your kids every night because you're out working? How many times do you not get to share a meal with them and have that real quality family time? And do you expect that that's going to have an impact on their development? So um, family is super, super important to us here at Lead Ninja. And so we're constantly trying to, to bring those technicians closer to their family by helping to elevate their skill set. Because I can promise you, if you're only generating half a million dollars a year for your boss, you got no leverage, bro. You got no leverage. But if you're a three or $4 million producer, I'm pretty sure that when you need time off or if you need weekends off and you're still pr producing three, four million bucks, they're going to be flexible with you. So you can really truly, and this isn't with every company, some bosses are tyrants, right? But if, if you got a tyrant as a boss, there's somebody down the street that's not. And I promise you, if you're a three to $4 million producer in today's market, you're going to get more control of your time. That's, that's when life becomes fun is when not only do you make a good amount of money, a good living, you're putting stuff away for your future, but you have control of your time again. And you'll never get it unless you become a top communicator. Sorry. Yeah, no, and, and it's it's true. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, and, we, and we've talked about it before, that it's not just about compensation. It's about the uh, the recognition, the treatment, you know, that like you you said before, don't pound on somebody because they're having trouble absorbing directions. I mean, especially if you're giving them complex directions, but but also uh, to just be be understanding. And and you like you said, it's great, right? Once we figure out those of us that have decided, hey, we we see and we figured out how much we love seeing the joy in other people. And then the rest of it takes care of itself, right? And that's what's can happened I, with you. Can I give the audience one more thing from the leadership perspective on coaching somebody? Gene, I wish you would, please. <laughs> so I, I learned this from somebody who used to work for me who eventually ended up getting into management. I just thought it was brilliant, right? So let's say, I'm just going to give an example. We required our guys to do a certain amount of training. I would require my guys today, if they were um, if they were working for me, I'd require them to do at least 20 to 30 minutes of training on their own. And I have a software that tracks it. And, and I've got all kinds of programs laid out for them that they can go watch, right? So um, if they weren't doing their training, that can become a problem. So I would call up a guy who was not doing his training and I go, ring, ring, ring. Hey, Arthur, it's Gene. How's it going? How'd your day go? And I wouldn't call them in the middle of the day. I'd call them after their last call because I'm not going to spin them out in their head. Okay. Because I'm about to do something that's going to make them feel really uncomfortable. Right. So, hey, Arthur, how's it going? Did you have a great day? Yeah, great day, boss. Hey, listen, man, I'm glad that you had a good day. I need to see you in the morning. I, and I, I need you to come in an hour before everybody else. I know we're normally in there at seven, but I need you to show up at six. Just come to my office. There's a conversation that I need to have with you. What's it about, boss? Don't worry your little head off about it or anything. Just get a good night's sleep and we can talk in the morning, right? What's that guy going to think about all night? Probably exactly what they're going to be talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're probably thinking, gosh, I wonder what's going on. I, am I going to get fired? It's not, this has never happened before. The boss has never asked me to come in early. When they get in, I sit them down across from my desk and I go, all right, 
Arthur, so the reason that you're here today is because we have a standard here that we do 20 to 30 minutes of training every single day before we meet our clients to keep ourselves sharp and to make sure that we are providing the highest level of customer service and communication that we can with our clients. And you're aware of this, right? Yes. Question, is there a reason that you haven't been doing your training that you know we're supposed to all do? Excuse, excuse, excuse. Got it. So look, here's the deal. I brought you in here because I want you to know that this is what I expect. And I'd like you to take the next 50 minutes to go ahead and do nothing but training while you're here before everybody else shows up. Fair enough? Yeah, that's great, boss. Now, Arthur, if it comes to my attention that you are not doing your training after this, what do you think is going to happen? I think that's uh, just enough information to know that that guy is probably out the door. Well, that guy's going to go, I'm probably going to get fired. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go, fired? No. What do you think I am? The Gestapo? I'm not lopping heads <laughs> off around here. I'm going to bring you in for more coaching just like this. There? Look him right in the eyes, right? I didn't usually have to have that conversation more than once. Right. They were worried all night. They didn't want to have to to come in that early in the morning. And they knew that if this behavior repeated, that it was going to end in not a great way for them. Right. I wasn't being a tyrant. I was being a coach. Right. I'm coaching them along to follow a process. Remember, it's hard to manage people, but it's easy to manage a process and people can follow a process. So I hope that that helps an owner today that's dealing with a technician or somebody in, in under their employee that is they're not getting what they're asking out of them. Yeah. And I, th- and I think it will. Um, I think a lot of uh, the, the misunderstanding is that we need to be cutthroat and we need to, you know, sharpen every process. And that means cutting the fat, but I mean, you know, look, look where that's gotten a lot of people right now, you know, you're yeah. losing, you're seeing people jumping around from company to company and nobody really needs to leave for a dollar or two more an hour if they're yeah if they're you know happy and they're being treated well and they're you know they're understood because i mean you and i both know hey gene you're a sharp sharp guy and there's probably a couple things from time to time that you had to you know read over more than once to understand oh, yeah. and learn you know yeah man it's uh, it, it has been a struggle to get here right yeah. Everything that you hear from me today did not come naturally. Mm-hmm. It was trained over and over and over again, repetition after repetition. Oh yeah. Well, and that's uh, that's such a big part of it. And uh, and I know you've had great mentors along the way, and and of course you've been a great mentor. Um, and I wanted to, <clears throat> I want to see if you could share with us the name of your podcast and. Excuse me. You know, I'm getting a little congested here, a little choked up talking about it. But uh, yeah, if you could share your podcast with us and also how how people can find you. Well, the podcast is the Black Belt Sales Podcast, and you should be able to find it on Spotify or YouTube. Um, If anybody wanted to ever reach out to me, I do things a little differently than most people. Um, I give you my cell phone. And I just say, go ahead and text me. Um, I'm God created a block button. So if you're a jerk, then I can block you, right? But I'm not afraid <laughs> to give people my cell phone number because I have nothing to hide. So my cell is 
239-848-6533. And text is the fastest way to reach me. So just shoot me a text. And um, we usually I'll just send a calendar link to somebody that can book whatever is available on my private calendar. And we're not responsible for Medicare calls to your number, by the way. <laughs> no. um, we, we've got a couple different landing pages and websites and stuff like that. But um, you can just Google my name, Gene Slade, and you'll you'll find everything. That's that's awesome. And that's such a, a really unique gesture. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same way. But just to uh, to put it out there like that, anytime anybody wants to reach you, um, and I wanted to one real quickly touch on AI because we we don't have a whole lot of time left. But um, I know that you have uh, you know supported and, and backed the use of AI. Obviously, there are a lot of things that uh, it can help when it, when you integrate it. But can you maybe um, differentiate between where you you think AI should be involved in a business like um, in the industry, some service realm, and where maybe the human touch should stay as it is? Well, I, I don't think we're, I know that we're not at a, a place yet where we can have robots going out and fixing air conditioners and plumbing systems. <laughs> but Arthur, I would not be surprised if within the next 10 years, we had autonomous vehicles driving up with robots in them to go fix things on air conditioning and heating systems and plumbing. I would not be surprised whatsoever. Um, personally, I'm not very smart when it comes to AI. So you start talking chat GPT and prompts and all this other stuff. I, I, I kind of know what that stuff means, but my brain gets a little bit scrambled. Um, where I actually decided to use AI is something that is very, very new and most people have never heard of and it's called conversational AI. And it was created by a group of uh, young 20-somethings who some of them were salespeople and some of them were engineering type and they were trying to create a better dialer. And they actually created a robot that calls people and talks to them. And uh, so I found that company and they were willing to license their technology to me so I'm essentially programming myself into the AI now. And what we're using it for, uh, the first four things we're using it for is number one, the outbound call. You've got four holes in your schedule today and you need them all filled, right? You flip a switch and my AI can call one or a thousand of your customers all at the same time. I can call a thousand people in five to 10 minutes and book that schedule. All right, so that's number one. Number two, um, in the, inside that same category, we're calling your existing customers and scheduling them for tune-ups, the ones that are not on a club membership or on an agreement, right, to fill the schedule, bringing them back into the fold. And then the last outbound thing we're using it for is to, you, you can buy a list of neighborhoods with phone numbers, scrub it for the do, do not call registry, right? And then, make outbound calls to those people to sell them tune-ups and inspections and things like that for their HVAC electrical and plumbing. So like that's massively powerful if you think about it, uh, especially because most of these contractors, they, they wait until it's too late, right? The phone stops ringing and it's, oh shit, I got to do something. Excuse my language, right? 
And oh, you're they, <laughs> they, now they've got this dilemma. How do I find somebody? How do I recruit, hire, train somebody and have them effective within a week or two? Because if you wait two months, if that process takes two, three months, that shoulder season is now gone. And you've just wasted all of the profit that you made the three months before, right? So this thing is completely scalable. I can literally make 100,000 phone calls all at the same time. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's so, powerful. Um, Very powerful. And, and here's the crazy thing. It can work 24 hours a day. It never gets sick. It doesn't bitch, moan, or complain. I only have to tell it what to do one time. I don't have to remind it, right? Um, it doesn't need a smoke break. It doesn't need a pee break. I don't pay taxes on it. Like all of the 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 human problems that are in that position, poof, they go away, right? Yeah. Um, so for somewhere in the neighborhood of like forty grand a year, I can have an army of CSRs for you, an army, <laughs> incredible. So and right now it's about one fifth of the cost of a human being. Mm -hmm. like a little over six bucks an hour to operate it on the outbound. Wow. Um, so that's phenomenal. The second thing we'll be using it for is handling the inbound calls, right? So all the calls from marketing, any service calls, any, anything that comes in, it'll be programmed on how to handle that. And if it can't, it'll do a live transfer to a human being, right? Um, beyond that, when the technicians leave a job, we can have the AI call them as soon as the CRM lets us know that they've left, ask them some survey questions, right? If the survey goes well, ask them on a scale of one to five, how would you rate the service and why? Use their answer, text it back to them along with the review link. And then it's as simple as boom, boom, copy and paste the review, right? Yeah. Easier than it's ever been. And then the fourth thing, and there's more things, but I'll only share four today. Fourth thing will be a sales follow-up. And that will be only as good as the information and data I get from the companies. But we literally will be doing what I train humans to do. And that is to call the people that didn't buy or didn't buy the whole list, ask them a couple survey questions, and then ask them, hey, by the way, we noticed there was some stuff that you chose not to do. Would you mind sharing with us why? And it almost always comes down to affordability and will be programmed to, to sell financing and all that other stuff. So um, like nobody wants to follow up, but the fortune is in the follow-up. It really truly is. Um, I love that. I can make, that's, a, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it truly is. Like, and think about it as a technician, I, I would never run as a technician again. Okay. Because a technician can only see three or four people a day effectively, but I can call three people within a couple of minutes, right? I can, I can have 50 appointments or 50 calls by the time lunch rolls around and I can be done by, for the day and have sold 20, 30 grand. Mm -hmm. So we'll be using our robots to do that um, probably within the next six months. Wow. And, you know, it's funny. I think it was Mark Twain that said it was about a, a printing machine that he was working on. Um, it could do everything that a human being can do except for drink, swear, and go on strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, exactly. um, I, you know, if, if we're going to have these robots going into houses, tuning up the uh, the AC machines or, you know, the HC, HVAC units and so forth, I don't think owners are going to be disappointed, but it's going to be, you know, taking a lot of jobs. So people need to get ready for that. Um, but, hey, uh, Gene, this has been a 
major pleasure. This has been a, a huge piece of uh, discussion, and, and I really appreciate your time. Um, I, before we get out, I do want to ask you one little quick fun thing, because that's what we do. Um, okay. you are the <laughs> you are the lead ninja. So do you actually practice any kind of martial art or do you just stick to uh, being the ninja of, of leads? <laughs> That's a really good question. So I started out in Taekwondo and um, I have about three and a half years of that under my belt, about one year of boxing, um, about six to seven years of wrestling, including collegiate level wrestling. Oh, wow. So you can take yeah. down some people too. <laughs> I, I've got, uh, I've got several different um, tools at my disposal. Well, that's awesome. And uh, I, I actually am a little uh, versed in Taekwondo, but not, not much beyond that, but that's, uh, that's really neat. Do you still, do you still do any uh, competition? No, no, I don't compete anymore. Um, believe it or not. I'm really just starting to get back in shape. I, I, I have had a couple of years where I've been lazy and I I had a, a bad injury in this arm. Um, I used to do a lot of arm wrestling mm -hmm. and I'm undefeated actually, as it turns out, I've never been beaten. And on the last match that I had, I tore something really bad in here and I never went to the doctor for it. I just suffered with it. So I'm finally getting to a point where this is strong enough again. And I am thinking about doing some jujitsu. I've got some friends that do jujitsu. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and you did what most men do, right? We just kind of let it, let it be when we get the injuries. We yeah. <laughs> yeah. tend to them like that's we should. Not, I'm not going to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Gene, man, this has been a great, great time. A very, a huge honor for you to be on, man. I appreciate you being a guest. Uh, he is Gene Slade. He's the CEO of Lead Ninja. Uh, you can find him online. He's all over the place. I don't recall his number, but if you rewind about maybe 10 or 15 minutes, he even left his phone number. You can directly call him or text him at any time, and he's full of knowledge and advice. So, uh, Gene, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you being a guest, man. It's my pleasure. You want that phone number one more time? Yeah, let's hear it one more time. It's area code 239-848-6533. Awesome. All right. You heard it again, guys. You can get in touch with Gene at any point. Uh, he He's just so such a great resource for any service industry, any, anyone looking to grow, learn on leadership. Um, just so much, so many resources. Gene, thanks, man. Thanks again for being on. It's my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, Arthur. Thank you. And, uh, and everybody, I hope you tune in next week for the next episode of the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. We'll check you then and have a great day. Arthur Yawn here. Thank you so much for listening to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. If you are a successful restorer, contractor, or home service provider who would like to be on this program, please visit jointhenestteam.com slash go. If you got something out of this interview, would you also share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the social. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag HSSP Spotlight. I love seeing your posts, love seeing your guest suggestions. 
We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and your reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, jointhenestteam.com slash go, or follow me on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Oh, 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 oh